Uh, uh, welcome back to the podcast, One Man, One Tree in a Hill. I'm your host, Jared Waters. We have a special guest. We have Ms. Holly Tugman, child life specialist. She's a singer, songwriter, artist. Ladies and gentlemen, Ms. Holly. Hey, what up? Hello. How are we? We had to restart this thing. I effed up the first time. It's okay. It's okay. Dang, how's how's everything going out there? It's been like years, right? It's been freaking what? Six years? I think last time we saw each other was at a we're at a camp. Or was I would it graduation? Say it's been like ten years, oh, probably. Yeah, it, has been. <laughs> it has been You're like 30, ten years. I'm thirty one now. So am I I'm thirty one. You're born in eighty nine? I was. Oh well, I was born January eighty nine. When's your birthday, Mom? Oh, May. You're older than me. Oh, you just turned 30. No. Oh, yeah, you just had a birthday. That's right. I, I think I just wish happy birthday. <laughs> it's like when you go by, it's like, oh, happy birthday. How's Thank the you. How's the pulse out there? You now currently live inside Tennessee and Nashville. What's it like being in the medical profession? And right now, this time, how are you feeling out there? It's It's been like a lot of different emotions. I think when COVID first started, there was kind of like an eeriness. That was kind of in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just something that we've, you know, we've had to adapt to. Um, I mean, we get, I've gotten emails about being exposed to COVID patients and other employees. And um, I think there's been a lot of challenges, too. Just there's one parent that can come back because I work in pediatrics. So oh, that's freak. hard if your kid's sick. Um, How many kids but, do you get in there? Are there a lot of kids with COVID or is more adults? So there's typically. So most of the kids that we see are asymptomatic. So they've been carriers and their parents have been really sick. So, but when they come in, they have it. Um, So then they are at risk to expose other people. And here lately it's kids that are coming in for like broken arms, things like that. And we don't know they have COVID, but we're testing them because they're going to surgery. So then we find out, Oh, they were COVID positive. Oh, freak. So, so what is the protection? Do you guys have enough equipment out there? I know in New York they're saying like there's not enough equipment, but now everyone has enough. You know, it's so funny because we did all the N95 testing like probably a year ago, and, and they were like, oh, yes, like wear this. And now they're saying, oh, a cloth mask is fine. Um, only the doctors, a few of them have had N95 masks. Um, we have, I mean, we have masks, but they're cloth and uh, I honestly don't really know how reliable they are. We hear things, <laughs> different things. <what>? Every <laughs> are people scared? Are people scared? What do you think, like the profession scared? Or do you think more of the public are scared? Who would you say which one has the most fear? I think it's a little bit more the public. Um, just with misinformation from the media. Uh, there have been a few parents that have you know, they're just worrisome about toys that we're handing out, which we stopped handing out toys. Oh, wow. So now every child gets like Play-Doh and a giveaway activity. Um, I just think there's a lot of misconceptions, but I, it's just such a strange time, you know? What are your days like? What are your days like? Because if you don't know to the people out there, you're like a night walker like us. You perform and you're inside the medical profession. So what are your days usually like? So I work 1 p.m. to 1 a.m. at the children's oh, hospital. That's long. Um, and then I try. For how many I days? How many do, days a week do you do that? Typically three, but here lately I've been doing five in a row, which 
a little crazy, but typically yeah. I work three days a week. Um, yeah, I work 1 p.m. to 1 a.m. And a lot of our, a lot of our pediatric staff has gone over to the adult COVID unit and over there they've had a lot of deaths. So it's been a lot harder for the adult world than it has in the pediatric world. Um, so a lot of our nurses have been working over there. We haven't seen them for months and they've been, um, you know, FaceTiming family members because family members come, can't come back if, if the patient's dying from COVID. So they're just rather by themselves. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been some of our nurses that have been with them in their last minute and getting their iPads or getting their phones. So they're able to FaceTime family members. So they were dealing with COVID. Then I saw like a lot of riots in Nashville. What, yeah. what type of, what type of town is Nashville? Is Nashville like a more diverse city or am I thinking of Memphis? You know, I thought it was more diverse, but I think there's a lot of segregation that I didn't realize, unfortunately. Um, for instance, the kind of big news that's made today is there's um, a company called Project 615, mm-hmm. and they're a Nashville company, and they're all about like love and equality. But recently, um, today, news broke that the owner is extremely racist, and they released a shirt that says, spells out love. It's on my Instagram story if you want to check it out, but it spells out love, and they actually stole it from other companies. So not only is this man racist. He's a thief. Um, yes, he's a thief. He's a thief. And the company apologized, but when they apologized, they turned off their comments huh. on Instagram and blocked people. So if that's not sketchy, then I don't know what is. Yeah, they got to do like Papa John. Someone has to step down to save the company. I mean, and it's, I'm, you know, I've supported this company. A lot of people have. They, mm-hmm. but then there's been talk that the money wasn't even going where they said it was. Wow. Um. So the one of the females that broke the story, um, she said that when she worked for the company. Uh, they told her that she does her or her um, philanthropy with the African-American community was not a good look for the company. So they fired her. Oh, wow. So she is the person that spoke up. And then there's been stories about the CEO fired um, an African-American male that worked for them because he ate one of his chicken sandwiches. So the CEO fired him. Jesus Christ. But so that's, it's called 615 615 is like a non-profit yes if you instagram project 615 we'll see all all the things that we just discussed so because the the notion like in new york like when i moved up here four years ago four years going on five their perception of the south is such a different perception of people who grew up in the south or anything else because they talk about like it's all racist in the south everything else I was like, I think like in the South, everyone lives amongst each other. So people say things because you live, you, go, you guys play on the same football team, there's going to think, but like New York is kind of just split up to be all like, okay, Asians are over here, black people live over here. And I was like, what happened in Central Park? I was like, yeah, that's because she probably never interacted with this person before. Yeah. Like the dirty it's, South. I'm like, ah, I had some good times in the South. How, I mean, you being raised, you're, you're raised in North Carolina, correct? Well, uh, well, my father, we're military, so we grew, move around. So based off, are pretty much North Carolina, Florida, and then around in Japan and the Netherlands. 
But like I experienced it all. I remember like my grandmother taking us back to North Carolina to march and to making us understand what she went through and stuff like that. And I think sometimes you get it from like being young. Being young, you see like different... Let me explain it. Like I was talking to this guy and he is he grew up in the Bronx and he was asking him. I was asking him, I was like, when's the first time you had a friend that was white? And he goes, the first time I met a dude that was white that I was cool with that wasn't my teacher when I was 20. That's insane. That's why I was like, what? He goes, what about you? I was like, yeah, I remember like white and weird. Like in my school, it was like, went to school with white dudes, everybody else, like North Carolina, Florida, the Netherlands, mm-hmm. everything else, other military brats. But he said in New York, that was the first time he ever like interacted with like a white person that wasn't in charge of him or wasn't directing what to do. And I'm, I'm lucky, I feel like, because I went to a very diverse elementary school. So um, I had best friends who were African-American, who were Mexican-American. Um, so that was something that I, from the time I was four or five, was around. But even with that being said... As a white female, I don't know what African Americans have experienced in this country. Yeah, I think I think sometimes we had like a, a diversity training at the job now, and they're like asking all these personal questions. I was like, "Do you guys really want me to explain what?" <laughs> when you're driving, Jared, like, how do you feel? Like, what do you do if you ever get stopped by a cop? I was like, "I get stopped all the time." What do you <laughs> like? I have to take off my hat, put everything in front of me, hands in two. Like, why do you know that? I was like, "It's just I was trained to do that." I think I was talking to this this therapist at a school. She's like, you shouldn't. She goes, the numbness inside the black community, it shouldn't be like that. Your interactions with a police officer are supposed to be like, this is who the police are. This is a friendly instead of like a fear thing. And I guess like it's good that the people in the world are seeing it because I feel like it's our generation, the younger generation, that are really changing it. Because the older generation are kind of numb to the fact that happens. They're just like, oh, this is how it is. This is what it is. They stay over there. We stay over here. But it's people like us that went to school together and interacted with each other and just saying like, oh, we're all standing up for each other. Yeah. And with going back to your question about Nashville, Project 615 like, and what's going on there, that definitely, I don't think, sums up Nashville as a whole. And I think how people have spoken out against it um, has been a really good thing. And today, apparently there were um, a really huge peaceful protest that took place Um from like the Bicentennial Mall all the way downtown, but a lot of my colleagues and coworkers were there, so. Didn't they blow up something in Nashville? Some kid did, some kid let something on fire in a museum? So, the Capitol, I think, was burned. Oh, wow. And a white guy is the one who started it. I know, I saw them bust him. I was like, whoa, I was like, what is he doing? <laughs> He's waiting for his moment. Of course. I was like, what is going on? Because you know, I, I think Twitter is more relevant than Instagram because Twitter just shows you whatever city's going through. And then, like, I saw Nashville trending. And I was like, what is going on in Nashville? Whoa. It's like for such a music town. But you got to think, like, there's Memphis. There's all these other towns inside Tennessee yeah. that some people don't go to and stuff. Well, and a lot of the people that are doing this um, aren't from Nashville and they're trying to start trouble and trying to make the protesters look bad. So that's a lot of what the rioting has been on Broadway and a lot of those areas. Oh, you guys have a Broadway out there? Oh yeah. It's like, um, it's like our strip. That's like where all the honky tonks are and where all the musicians play. So we're going to go back before this is a good time. We're going to go back. So if you don't know, let's go back before you got to Nashville. Let's start like, where are you originally from? What do you call home? 
so I'm from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, which is actually where I'm at right now. I'm in my uh, childhood bedroom that my parents have not updated since I was Is that McDreamy on your back wall? Is that McDreamy from uh, Grey's Anatomy hanging on your wall? That picture behind you? Who is that? No, other side. Oh, Elvis. <laughs> oh, that's Elvis's gold record. No, right there. There's a picture of some dude. That's Elvis still? Yeah, I'm a big Elvis fan, in case oh. you didn't know. <laughs> Elvis. It's obnoxiously all in my room. Well, what was or my sa- childhood bedroom. <laughs> so Winston-Salem, what type of family? Big family, two-parent household? What was it? Small family? Big uh, siblings? So I'm, a, I'm an only child. Really? Uh, my dad has, he's one of six. My mom is one of two, um, but I do have, uh, my best friend is kind of, I call her my sister because our parents, our mothers were best friends and, um, her mother passed away from cancer when we were little. So my mm. parents have kind of adopted her. So when I talk about my sister, that's who that is, but technically I'm an only child. So that's a little bit about my family background. What was that like being the only child? Like when did you actually realize your only child? Like had it, did you always I mean, know? I feel like I was always around my cousins and stuff, and they picked on me really bad, because that's what older cousins do, you know? It builds character, I guess. <laughs> but um, I was always around them. I feel like I've always been a really social person. Because um, so, it can affect know. you different ways. Sometimes only childs are like introverts, or they're not aware of like the world. But if you had a big family or big a lot of cousins and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I was always around kids my age growing up so but I am like sometimes I can be I don't always like people borrowing my clothes and stuff so I think that's probably a little only childish of me (laughs) I've gotten better though (laughs) did you ever like wonder like did you want a sibling or you're just cool just like I'm just an only child well I mean I guess I was really spoiled because my parents asked me when I was like six if I wanted a sibling and I said no so they took that to heart and (laughs) we're like okay she doesn't want one like yeah she's the boss here (laughs) <laughs> pretty much so like do you have what are your earliest uh remembrance of like elementary school do you remember what was it like going to elementary school in winston-salem yeah. were you like at a um, neighborhood school or were you like a school where people from your neighborhood weren't going to school with you so i went to a neighborhood school um i went to Conoke elementary um it's in the south side of winston-salem um so it's a pretty diverse area of the city um, I loved elementary school. Um, I do you have a I teacher remember, that sticks out that you remember? What do you say? Do you have a teacher that sticks out from elementary school? Yeah, probably one of my favorite teachers was Miss Gurley. Um, she was my third grade teacher, and we actually had it was it was basically this kind of like research project where they had third, fourth, and fifth graders all together. Um, so they wanted to see how that would impact a third graders, um, intellectual abilities and social skills. So I was one of the third graders in that class, which, um, I guess was a pretty good experience for me. (laughs) Hanging out with older kids, right? Pretty much, but it has its uh, pros and cons. Um, do you have any friends from elementary school that you still have now? I do. Um, yeah, I still talk to quite a few of them actually. I noticed that people that from like a town, if they stayed in this town the whole life, you can have friends like Boy Meets World. Like, oh, we started in elementary school and we went to this one. Yeah. Um, most of my friends who are from or who we went to elementary school together, 
most of them live in the Charlotte area if they haven't moved out of North Carolina. I feel like everyone that doesn't leave North Carolina from Winston like goes to Charlotte because that's like the big city or Queen goes to city. Raleigh. <laughs> How far is Winston-Salem from? Winston-Salem's 336, right? That's the area code? Yes, yes. So Winston-Salem's more next to Greensboro. I think my, my, no, no, my sister went to Winston-Salem State. Yes. What else is Winston-Salem famous for? Um, we are famous for cigarettes. <laughs> Marlboro Lights. Oh, Camel. Yeah. Joe Camel. That Salem. dude. Joe Camel. Yep. Oh yep. snap! I think Joe they did Campbell. like a, a e. I think I wrote one time a, a e behind the e Hollywood story of Joe Camel. How where is he at now? Oh yeah, I mean my grandpa retired from Reynolds, so he had. I was wearing like the Joe Camel shirt. <laughs> Isn't that crazy that people are blaming a camel for all this mess? Like, this guy influenced kids. I'm like, who was influenced by a camel? It's just a cartoon. Yeah, they they had all that stuff. They sued him. They sued, like, yeah. joke. They sued him. I was like, we're going to sue the cartoon artist? <laughs> like, imagine somebody suing Seth MacFarlane. Stevie, <laughs> Stewie Griffin right? messed up my kids. Yeah, I remember uh, that. I was seeing, like, all these Joe Camel ads. And I'm like, why are they blaming this camel for... It's crazy. I forgot one of my friends. She's from North Carolina, and she would. We went to her house one time, and like we smell. And she goes, she goes, do you smell that? And we're like smelling tobacco. She goes, that's the smell of money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's not wrong. She said, that's the smell of money, sweetheart. I think her mom was <laughs> telling us that when we she's drinking a given tea. Cause like, what's that? And she's like, it had all this. T- I was like, that's that's tobacco. Where, that's the smell where of did money. North Carolina, where y'all? We were driving. We were doing some comedy show in Jacksonville, Jacksonville, and then from Jacksonville we went through Jacksonville going towards Asheville, and we stopped at my friend's house. I think it was Herbert County, Herbert County? I don't remember. I know we went to their like their, their little house. It's like a mini mansion, and we're going past all these cornfields. I was like, that's how my grandfather lived, and then we went back. I was like, that's not corn. And then she's like, you smell that? And I was like, yeah, that's the smell of money, sweetheart. That's the smell of money. But she was saying how a lot of, like, since because of everything's going, like, a lot of people are losing money with tobacco farms. Yeah. But it's crazy thinking about the other ways. Like, yeah, tobacco. This is what our town is for. Joe yeah. Camel. Is there any uh, museums so, with Joe Camel? No, but um, Krispy Kreme's from Winston-Salem, too, and Texas Pete Hot Sauce. So, you know, all the things that are terrible for you. Cigarettes, donuts, and hot sauce. Why is Texas Tech? Why do they name it Texas Pete? I don't know. That's a good question. Texas Pete. If you look on Texas Pete, you'll see one stand with Carolina on there. I gotta write this down. This is an interesting fact. <laughs> I don't want to write this down. What else you say is from Winston Salem? Joe Camel. Yeah, R.J. Reynolds. <laughs> Joe Camel. Joe Camel. I think someone could use this information. Joe Camel. Maya Angelou is also from Winston Salem. My, I knew that. Maya Angelou, Maya Angelou, and who else? Joe Camel. Joe, Texas Joe Pete. Camel. Texas Pete. I'll do a whole thing about Joe Camel. Joe Camel, Texas Pete. R. J. Reynolds. Oh yeah, cigarettes is for Joe Camel and Krispy Kreme. <laughs> Krispy Kremes. I remember my, I remember my mother telling me that Krispy Kremes came out in college. When she was in college, and she goes like, everyone was like, you should invest in the stock now. And everybody's like, no, these donuts aren't going to do anything. They're so good, though. Those hot lights come on, and people, you see people whipping around in cars and stuff like that. I don't think there's a Krispy Kremes in New York. Is there not? I don't think so. 
Not in the city. There's no Bojangles. Yeah, there's no Bojangles in the city either. So what part of the city do you live in? I live in Harlem. I live in Uptown. So I'm like, I'm 20 minutes from from like Times Square, like three train I'm, stops away. I've really been missing the Instagram stories um, of your classroom. I've really been missing those. I know I could, I could do it, but sometimes it's hard now because all the parents are there. So the parents, it's not fun when the parents know the magic. And they're right? and they're kind of just some of them are kind of annoying when you have to like be with them the whole time. They're interrupting Zoom classes for like personal stuff. Just hear grandma. Are. Give me the eggs now! Give me the eggs. <laughs> so, so have you seen have you seen parents like walking around in their underwear or like anything like they show on parents walk around with girdles and stuff and <laughs> some moms are trying to like cover the screen but they're not covering the screen. And most most of them have like sent the kids with the grandparents, so the grandmas are just frustrated. I don't see where you plug the cord to the iPad to get Wi-Fi. How do you do that? And I'm like, that's not a landline. You just gotta connect to the Wi-Fi. Hold on, hold on, hold on. And I was like, can we can we do this after class? We kind of like got class running right now. So it's it's. <laughs> It's actually kind of a good now because now they have to show up to class and now I can monitor all of them because sometimes you can, it's hard to get in contact with parents, but now I know they can't go anywhere. There's a curfew, you can't go there unless they're a nurse or a nurse or like doctor, they're essential workers. If they're not, I'm just like, hey, I didn't see you in class today. Where are we? You can't yeah. ignore my call. Uh-oh. This is the weird thing. Now they want my personal number, so I have to like use a Google number. I was like, no, nah, I can never do that. Some parents are like, seem like, hey, I thought I saw you downtown at a comedy club. I said, that wasn't me. Are you sure I could have sworn it, it looked like you? I said, it's probably my brother. He lives here too. Oh, okay. Maybe it was your brother. I said, maybe, maybe. He looks just like me. I'm like, okay, all right, yeah, okay, yeah. It probably wasn't you. You don't talk that much. So it probably wasn't you. I said, probably, I don't know. <laughs> um, so is, what's the curfew on New York City tonight? Tonight is eight o'clock. To note, tonight is tonight is nine. It's nine. It's really most of it's happening in Brooklyn. Well, Manhattan too. Manhattan too. They're crossing the bridge and coming to Brooklyn. I was out there. I was out there maybe early early on Harlem, but as soon as they went to cross the bridge, I was like, "Yep, I know where this is going." So, I stayed like in my area. So my area of Harlem is more like the western part of Harlem is more it's not as not as dangerous it's more like southern people people everybody here is from Texas, Florida, the Caribbean. Oh, really? Yeah, everybody on my block. You see the you see the tags of like Florida tags, Tennessee, people from North Carolina that just moved up here. And stuff. So, what has it been like living in New York through all of this? I feel bad saying this, but honestly, this is like the best time because I like, you know, when you when you work every every freaking day, you're out every night. This is the first time in a while where I just like, I was like, oh, okay, this is what regular people do. They sleep in, they, they wake up and they do this. And I have so many ideas that I've been like writing down stuff that I just never had time to just sit down and write. So it's just like the first time in like maybe four years where I really can just kick it because even in the summer, I'm still like doing stand up and everything else. Mm -hmm. and, you get a break from school. But honestly, this is like really good. New York kind of looks like the South right now. Everyone's spread out. No one's really out. But now recently, these past weeks, everyone's been back out. Yeah. But New York doesn't. I think that New York doesn't have a... 
Like, nobody's from New York, so you don't know what real New Yorkers think unless you go outside of the city. Yeah. Like, people in Long I, Island are completely different than the city people. Yeah, I have um, a few friends that live up there that I go to see a lot um, that live in Hell's Kitchen in that area. Oh, that's nice. But with COVID, it's been hard for them to continue to afford their apartments that are there. So more to come if they'll still be living there in a few months. Yeah, New York, you're paying for the lights. You're literally paying oh. paying, paying for the lights. You're paying... Oh, yeah, my friend's studio apartment in Hell's Kitchen, I think she pays $4,500 a month. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Isn't it? Yeah, so like when I went back to North Carolina to go visit my friend, I was like, this five-bedroom house is only what? Yeah, it's only 1400 for the mortgage. I'm like, really? That's it? So it makes you it makes you question it makes you question being up here, but the the talent level is is through the roof. The talent level is just amazing, because I think the latest people that I see walking out on the streets, like when I'm coming home, is musicians and singers. Those are the ones I know that are like it's three in the morning and you just see some girl singing away at this like this jam session or like musicians. It's the first time I ever seen like musicians. The first time I seen a guy walking on a train with a trombone. Or like a big tuba. I was like, I'm curious yeah. where you're going. To a gig. I was like, oh, all right, cool. I haven't seen this since uh, <laughs> like a battle of the bands with someone holding a tuba. What so you... are, is live music live, like, yeah. happening now in New York? Have they okayed that? No, no. The only thing that's happening in New York now is that not nothing really. Not even restaurants. You can only take out. You can't have no bigger gatherings than 10 people. So no bars, so, no comedy, nothing's open still. We've been locked down since the the last third week of March. I think I was doing a show that Sunday, and then that's when they, the mayor said the city shut down. So some restaurants have been open in Nashville, and they've opened up hair salons. Oh. Um, like sitting down restaurants where you can get service and sit down and stuff? Mm-hmm. So they've opened that up, but then they had... I think they were allowing live music at some of the honky tonks on Broadway, but it was only there were only two people that were allowed to be on stage, and then I think it had to be at fifty percent capacity. I'm not sure, but and I don't know if they've closed that now. Um, well, in Florida, everything's back to normal. All the comics in Florida, like we're back at it. We're selling merchandise. We're back at it. We're on the stage. It's like my old hot comedy club is like 300 seats now they're doing like 170 180 spaced out but he said like everything's back to normal not back to normal but they're just like we're starting to back up isn't so, it crazy how like when you go to a small town when i was driving from nashville to winston i stopped at like a gas station there was one person wearing a mask and he had on scrubs everybody else was like no pandemic happening well, I think everyone's spaced out. If you think in the South, like even when you're close, you're kind of spaced out. Like Tampa's a big city, but everyone's not on top of each other. Like New York, everyone's literally on top of each other. Number one, yeah. they don't like the way they live. Number two, they probably don't like their spouse or their families, so they're out all the time. And yeah. that's how they're like passing it around. Yeah. So like every, I forgot, like I walked down the block to like go like pay my rent. And I was like, why are all these people just sitting in the park? What are y'all doing? Yeah. Literally sit in the park. And um, going back to some of the COVID stuff for the hospital, since I'm a child life specialist, if a patient presents that we know is positive for COVID and they have COVID symptoms, then we typically don't go in their room. 
just because we aren't assigned patients like a nurse would be. So we see a lot more patients. So the probability of us getting it and possibly passing it on to other people would be higher. However, like I was saying, a lot of kids have it and they're asymptomatic. So we don't know that they have it until they're testing every child now that's admitted to the hospital or that's going to surgery. So that's how we're finding out a lot of kids. Are so how would, how would that? Or maybe not a lot, but more than we would think. How would that work? So if someone has COVID-19 and they're in the hospital alone, how do they get the treatment if you guys can't be around them? Is it only the doctor can go see them? So part, so what my job is, so what a child life specialist does is we basically help children cope in the hospital. So we go in and talk to a child about what's going to happen, whether that be an IV, whether that be they were just diagnosed with cancer, mm. whether that be they just lost a parent, um, to a motor vehicle crash or we're in the trauma room with a child that's been in a motor vehicle crash. So part of our job is easing children's anxiety and um, helping them understand what's happening um, with their bodies and what medical staff is doing to help them. Um, And with that being said, we try and help nurses and doctors and make their job easier so that they're able to treat children without children screaming and without having to sedate children for every procedure and helping them cope through it. Wow. And this is, this is, you've been doing this 10 years, right? Um, eight. So not quite. Oh yeah. Eight Eight years. Me too. I'm at eight. Let's, let's go back. Okay. So when was the first time you were in a talent show? Like when do you discover your voice? When does that happen where you're realizing like, Hey, this isn't average singing. This is me. And I love the singing. How young were you when you realized like my voice is better than the average voice? Honestly, I mean, I didn't start singing in front of people until middle school because, um, believe it or not, I was actually a really quiet kid for a while, <laughs> which is kind of hard to believe. Um, but my dad's parents, my grandparents, were um, in a bluegrass band, oh, wow. and they played mandolin, banjo, fiddle, all that stuff. Um, and as a kid, I didn't really appreciate it because I was like, oh. I don't want to go and hear them sing. But then as I got older, I was like, wow, they're actually really good musicians. Um, so, you know, just because when you're a kid, sometimes you're bratty about stuff, or at least I think I was maybe only child syndrome. Um, but my grandparents, I remember them singing and me singing with them at a very, I mean, maybe three or four. Oh, wow. Um, so that's, where some of my musical influences come from. Uh, my dad is a huge fan of Motown. So, I mean, I remember being like five or six and they asked like what my favorite band was. And I think I said the temptation. <laughs> like what's up with this girl? David. But yeah, I remember watching the temptations movie when it came out on NBC have you seen that movie? Says, My name is David Ruffin, and these are the Temptations. <laughs> yes. Without David Ruffin, the Temptations like nothing. <laughs> Nobody wants you, Otis. <laughs> oh, my gosh. One of my favorite movies. But I remember, like, watching that. I guess maybe I was in second grade. And I just, like, became obsessed. That movie so, was like, long. It was, like, five hours long. Oh, and my parents let me stay up for it. <laughs> it was a two-part series that came out. They did like, I think they used to run it on VH1. Remember when VH1 just play, played all these long movies? Yeah. Like that one, then the Blues Brothers, then it'd be like the, yes. Jackson, the Jackson 5 one. 
And I was like, man, this guy playing Joe Jackson is very great. I believe everything that's happening. He's like, Michael Marlin? Who left the swim- Who left their shorts in the swimming pool? I was like, you trying to discipline millionaire kids? <laughs> But yeah, I mean, VH1 needs to play it. But What's your favorite that's... Temptation song? Oh, man, that's a hard one. I actually listened to a lot of the Temptations today on the drive home. And, I mean, a classic is my girl, but that's kind of like basic. So let me, I think Fall of Confusion mm-hmm. is a really good one. And I was listening to it and I was like, wow, that sounds like it could have been put out yesterday. Like all the topics they bring up. Music it is just kind of blew my mind. Well, if your dad, so your dad, he's not a singer. He just loved music. No, he can't sing at all. But his parents are very talented. So I don't, I don't know what happened with him. All his brothers play instruments too. So, so it just <laughs> I guess the music Jane dismissed him. Do you play an instrument as well, or I play a little bit of guitar and piano, but I would say my main is vocals and songwriting. I. I need to get a lot better at guitar. <laughs> so we go, okay, so middle school is the first time you sung in front of anyone. Where were you at? Church or where? Like, how did you get to this point so where I you're actually, singing in front of people? In elementary school, I tried out for chorus, and they said I didn't make it, so I was, like, heartbroken. And then the music teacher said that it was a mistake that I wasn't in chorus, yeah. so that it was actually another kid that didn't make it, which was bad. You can't kick that kid out. You cut the wrong person. <laughs> So I think, I mean, I was, I remember crying and, and I was like, I'm never singing again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, oh man, I remember us singing, I think every kid sang this and now we cringe, but I believe I can fly by R. Kelly. Everybody, yeah, everybody would just have our because that's when Space Jam was. That was like the height of everything. Yes, the best movie. Welcome to the Space Jam. It's your day. Do your day. That's the Space Jam. They had a young Chris Rock narrating the album. He did. Yeah, I mean, like Basketball Jones. That's Chris Rock talking the whole time. How did I not know that? He was around. It's like Chris Rock's been around for a long time. Like freaking Chris Rock. So you sang I Believe uh, I Can Fly in front of everyone or that's or just the we, whole choir sung it? I I Believe I Can Fly and then singing I Turn to You by Christina Aguilera. I turn, <laughs> what? <laughs> what a cross of songs. Um, and then I think like uh, I've, I've sang, I sang it last at my high school talent show. How did that go? Well, I was really nervous. I sang to a backing track, which I would never do as an adult, but you know. Why? Why not? Why the backing track? Why is that? Uh, it just, it seems like karaoke um. Which not, if people are doing that, that's totally fine. I've done it. But I think it takes away a little bit of professionalism sometimes when it's not like, Either yourself playing a guitar or you have a guitarist playing for you. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's not live. The acoustic live. Yeah. It's like yeah. you can blend into the vocals in the background. Yeah. So you're, you're in high school, and when do you know, like, this is going to be my profession? Or when do you know, like, I really see myself singing? Or what's the first, when's, how old were you when you wrote your first song or your first lyric? Uh, 
gosh, I think I wrote my first song when I was like 10. And I look at some of those and I'm like, oh, these songs are bad. <laughs> you know what those kids, Bob, star- stars are like real stars. I had one song that I wrote. I don't know if I could ever find it. I don't know if I ever want to find it. But it was like, it's called Your Eyes. And some of the lyrics were, your eyes are the key to my heart. <laughs> what boy were you writing that about? My first crush, I guess. But shoo, I was like, oh, these are painful to look at. <laughs> I'd like to dedicate this song that I wrote <laughs> to Brad in my homeroom class. Pretty much. Um, but yeah, I started, I guess I started writing music and like actually taking it seriously when I got out of college. Um, Wait, so in college you never, you were never performing anywhere or you were never taking I, vo- I was, I was in an acapella group before mm. Pitch Perfect came out, you know, before it was cool. <laughs> If it ever was cool. Yeah, it was, well, it was just different. Just people were just acapella. They would, who would you guys open up for? So, we were the Magnolia Bells. Did you ever come to any of our concerts? No. No, we did, I did a, I did a couple gigs. There's like an improv and there's an improv and like a acapella group together. They had to like sing and they had to like improv everything else and the stand-up comics opened the show. Um, I felt, we had, we had concerts, and then we would do, our big fundraiser was singing grams for Valentine's Day. Hmm. So you walk around campus and sing. Well, no, we would call people. So you'd, like, give us your girl's number, and we'd call her up and be like, this is a song from Jared. And then we'd start singing. <laughs> Wasn't there, didn't you guys used to do the national anthem, right? You guys, like, go to, like, like yes. basketball games and stuff yes, like that. Yes, That's where the a cappella group, yeah. Yes. I remember like a basketball game. I was like, who are these kids? They're great. What do they do? Whoa. They don't sing with no music? Whoa. That was me. Yeah, Pitch Perfect kind of like, one of the girls I work with, her brother was in Pitch Perfect. He's the main character. He's the guy with the, uh, whoever the main character is. That's her brother. Very cool. Just random. <laughs> hey, uh, Joe Campbell. So you're around these, you're around these, you're inside this group. Does anyone's like, hey, I'm a writer. Anyone else want to make music? Or are they just people just like, hey, let's sign up? Or where there's like a history, like these are the acapellas from the 80s or from the 90s. Was like a history in this group? So they've gotten a lot better. There's been a lot more people in it. I think when I joined, I think they'd only been, I think it started maybe like a long time ago and then it stopped and then they got it started up again like our freshman year. So when I started, there were like six girls in the group and then it just continued to grow. And then there would be someone who would write the accompaniment. So they would be like, okay, we have a beatboxer. You're going to beatbox. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. How similar was the movie to real life? Close? Like literally the exact same. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why, like, I mean, I like that movie. It's not one of my favorites. I'm like, gosh, this is like so realistic. Yeah, everyone's just like, no, this is how I was like, I believe it. I believe all of that stuff. And there's like the person that's always late, who doesn't want to be in it. He's like, oh, I'm too cool for this. I like this. Uh, it's Yeah, it's just like it. Sometimes just random dudes that could really sing that you would never know. Like a lot of the football players like sang a lot. I forgot his dude named Scotty Robinson, all these other dudes. They were like literally singers the whole time. I was like, these guys just have amazing voices and just use yeah. it to do nothing with it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, like, I mean, you know, being a comedian, it's, 
you know, putting yourself out there is scary, I'm sure. How do you... But I mean, it's like, if you're in a group, it's, at least you're not alone, you know? True. You're not alone. True. So at least you started out with some people. So if you ever had a bad night, nobody could tell except the people with you. Very like in true. comedy, you have a bad night, you're going to think about it until you get back up on stage like, man, that sucks. I think some, that of good... my, uh, some of my solo songs, I don't know if you're ready for this, one of them was What You Say by Jason Derulo. You remember that song? Yeah. <laughs> the, t- the TikTok champion. <laughs> the, oh, okay. Is his corn challenge real or fake? It has to be fake. With he didn't teeth? knock his teeth out. I don't know. He may be. You got to think about it. Jason. I, he used to make a lot of good songs, and then he just became like this this troll a little bit. <laughs> he just became a Le- troll. I remember he had like all Le- these wedding songs and everything else, and then he just like disappeared and started TikToking away. Um. Do you remember? Did you go see him when he was at Barefoot on the Mall at East Carolina? I, I didn't know who he was, but I was like, oh, okay, some dude's singing. Yeah, there's a lot of people he, at East Carolina we just didn't respect when they were coming up. <laughs> but he sang. I remember me and my, uh, my friend Cece went. Did you ever meet my friend Cece? Did she go? Was she, was she at camp with us? No. Wait, I know. she was like Wait. her roommate. We were always together. Was she in a wheelchair? No. Oh, never mind. Wrong <laughs> girl. I met a girl. Wrong <laughs> But we went to Jason Derulo, and he started to, like every song he sang was Justin Timberlake, and people started booing him at Barefoot on the Mall. He just sang JT songs the whole time. He sang like four, so and then people started booing because you know, ECU students like don't care. We booed Big Sean. I remember Big Sean went, and people were like kind of booing Big Sean. I was like, I kind of like this song. It was like young Big Sean. Big Sean was opening up for Ludacris. For like homecoming. Oh, I was at that concert too. Was that at the Mendenhall? That was at Minji's. It was at Minji's. Yes, Minji's. Minji's. That was one of the best concerts. And everybody was like ready to get Big Sean off. He's like, because he kept saying like, Drake, Drake took my style for me. You know, he's, he's similar. But I was like, get off the, come on, get to Ludacris. <laughs> and I was like, man, they were just like, and he was like mad young too. I just signed to Kanye West. Everybody, yeah, yeah, get the ludicrous. Get the luda. <laughs> I don't know how you can come up at East Carolina. Because they I had know. like local, they had They're local, so they had local talent, like rappers that went to ECU and they got booed too. And they they had it going like purple, I was like gold, purple, gold. They started rapping, get the ludicrous. What's going on? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I think that is. I think that kind of introduced. Because I went to East Carolina. I think I would like host. I would host some shows. And I remember I hosted a show at Minji's. There was like a thousand people, and I was like, "This is not that bad at all. It's actually kind of easy. You just gotta write stuff, and they kind of laugh." Oh, you did a show at Minji's? Well, they're like they used to have these big step shows, and they would have to have someone be a host for it, and I would just host the show. That sounds. So nice. I was like, "Oh, I hosted show." So before I like got into stand up, stand up, like I always knew I was doing stand up. I was like hosting. Random gigs and just until you found like stand stand up some solid stand base in college because nothing's consistent in college. It's really just like oh once every once a night, once a yeah. week you're gonna have like a comedy night every three weeks. As for like New York, it's every single night, every single day. You yeah. could take a day off, but no one's taking a day off. And Florida, Florida's like every night too. Florida really geared me up for New York. So what are uh... 
what are some of your favorite spots that you do stand up at in the city? One of my favorite spots in the city is a place called like it's like these are they're not really clubs. They're more like it's like maybe you ever remember, remember the first Ninja Turtles? Yes. Remember when they had like this tunnel down there? Like most yeah. Of, yeah, New York most all the spots are just underground spots. You know, there's like Very cool. Yeah, so they're just like the club clubs that I like sometimes I like Broadway comedy clubs sometimes and I go down there to the basement. Those are my spots. Uh some hostels. I do a lot of hostels sometimes. I wanna just go like with international people and see what they're laughing about. Uh-huh. And then there's a place called Legendary. That's like like a very hip hip not a hipster room, but it's like most of the big boys come out there that are like from like SNL or anything else. So those are like my spots. And uh sometimes I go to the beauty but a lot of different bars and like different comedy clubs. Broadway, sometimes I'll go to the stand, stand up New York. So like I don't really have a preference to be honest with you. <laughs> Anywhere I can get up is where I really like. I've done the yeah. cellar one time. My friend DC Benny let me open up from there, and that was amazing. That was probably one of the best spots I've been in because everyone's excited, everyone's amped because they think some big comics coming on, and then when you come, they don't know you're not anybody, so they're like interested in talking to you. Like, fruit, did, didn't I see you on like a freaking Aziz Ansari show? I was like, yeah, yeah, I was the guy in the the kitchen. <laughs> oh, freak, that's right, dude. Freak, dude, that's right. Good to see you. I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah, oh yeah, you're on, yeah. So they just, I was there, I know they're making it up, but they just want to be all like, dude, we know you, because once you're around there and they know you're a comic, they're always trying to break new comedians, you know. So they're trying to figure out who's the next person or the next this. But it's literally like maybe I would say over three thousand comics. Everyone's funny, and then when I got to New York, it's the first time I met like very funny women, because down in Florida, there's not that many females that are comics, and if they are, they're very older. But in New York, yeah. you just got just these funny killer killer chicks that are just like riffing off everything else everything else and it's like yeah you gotta worry about following her f about your own set she just destroyed this room that's so great so it's a free-for-all so everyone and then you got like most of the comics from the south you can tell because the southern comics they have like a different rhythm and different style then you got the chicago guys and the new york guys mm-hmm. la guys and stuff so would you say that's like that for music like different tones or something yeah, I would say so. I think um, I think in Nashville, country music is very kind of. There's two types. There's like the pop country that. Give me an example. What's like. pop pop country? Pop country would be some examples like Florida Georgia Line. Oh, that's like that's like country rap. Yeah, or like Luke Bryan, or artists like that, mm-hmm. and then you have kind of the Americana. Um, country music, which is your Jason Isbell, your Sturgill Simpson, some people that have kind of given the middle finger to Music Row um, and kind of just sort of done it their own way. Um, they're, song, they're all songwriters, mm-hmm. um, whereas a lot of some of the mainstream country artists, not that all of them don't write their own music, but I feel like those are kind of the two genres when you're in Nashville and people typically either like one versus the other what would you say you are where do you follow I would I would say what I tend to listen to and what I like more is more of the Americana country music I feel like it's a little bit more honest um and a little bit more kind of like the Willie Nelson the George Strait 
yeah, like kind of the outlaws of country type versus some of the poppier stuff. Some of the pop stuff just kind of sounds a little manufactured. What would you say Chris Stapleton was? I would say he falls more in the Americana, but he's one of the few artists that can draw in both fan bases. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That big boy can sing his heart out. Oh my gosh. He really can. Well, you know his song Tennessee Whiskey is actually a George Jones song. Oh, he didn't write that one? Nope. <laughs> Dang, never mind. That is my jam, Tennessee Whiskey. But he but he writes a lot of his own stuff and he was actually in a band called um, The Steel Drivers, which is really good. So you should check them out. Who are the artists? Okay, let's go back. So we we met 2008, 2008 we met we were at a heart surgery camp. Was it a heart mm-hmm. heart Heart heart, surgery, camp heart, whole heart, camp whole heart, camp whole heart, heart, camp whole heart. Did you do it two Shout years? Shout out to Pretty. Shout out to Pretty. Yeah, I think me and Pretty had a run in when I started working at Disney World. Really? Yeah, yeah. She was. Uh, she. What did she? She asked me to come do the camp again, and I was trying to explain to her. I was like, I'm not getting paid to do this. I love volunteering, but I can't go all the way back from Florida to go to a camp. <laughs> She's like, I think you'd be very good to see the kids again. I said, like, I understand that, but like, I'm working. I'm... <laughs> I was like, in college, I was really trying to impress her and get a good grade. So I was like, yeah, I'll go volunteer. Yeah. And then I, like, I, love, I love her. Some people were, like, terrified of her. Why? Because she was strict or? I, I guess she can be a little intimidating. She said, I think it was because, I remember, I think we went, did you go two years? We did two years, right? I think I think we did three, yeah. We did do three. It was like blue shirts, orange shirts. And the red first shirt. Red shirt. I don't think I went to the red shirt. I remember there was a blue one and an orange one, because it was me, this guy named Blake, yes, Emily, Emily, Emily. Emily is a child life specialist now too. Carlton, she lives in. I think she lived in Tampa one time or Florida. I think I wrote it. She was, and now she's in Baltimore. Baltimore. I think one time I hit. I think I just hit her recently. I was like Emily, and she just saw it. Just hit scene. But yeah, Blake. I remember (laughs) it was a funny story because. We were with, like, the younger kids, but they're, like, high school kids there. And they're, like, 16. And they're, like, having, like, a dude night where all the little kids are there. And, like, all the dudes are talking to college kids. And he goes, dude, just tell us, man. What's it like to be with a girl? Like, let's let's take all the ropes out. And they're asking us <laughs> questions. Yeah, those questions. And I remember, I remember they got upset because I was like, he's like, Jared, you can talk to me about it, right? I said, honestly, I said, your heart probably couldn't even take it. And then. You <laughs> <laughs> did not say that. I remember we all just bust out laughing. And then they realized, like, oh, Jared just loves making jokes. And they finally started laughing. Like, oh, I'm just kidding. I was like, I'm just kidding. But they kind of looked at me like, what did he just. <laughs> but it was one of the, like, wildest times because I was, I remember, like, talking to these kids. And I was, like, saying, like. I was like, you guys, you're trying to tell them how to pace themselves, and they've been dealing with this their whole lives, like the first time, me knowing that even though they look normal or look normal, you don't know if someone has like a congestive heart failure, different vowels and stuff like that. So that was my first time, not experiencing to it, but just like, it was like a cool camp, free food. Yeah, the food was pretty good too. Food was good. Oh, I remember one time we're at the lake, and they're swimming in the lake, and someone's boat tipped over. Yes, I do remember, remember that. Remember that? Was it your kid that the boat tipped over? No, my kid. My I feel like I was watching him pretty good. <laughs> I, 
it was like their boat tipped over. And then they go, they can't swim. Jared, get in the water. And I was like, I can't swim either. And I was just like <laughs> rowing back. Like, it, like the canoe tipped over. Jared, I was like, what? I, I can't do anything. I was like, you got to sit there swimming. And I was like, oh, we got to we gotta go back. I can't swim. We got to go. We got to go oh. back. And I never under, I mean, I guess the only weekend they can have it was October, but it's freezing and all these kids have heart conditions and they're like, lips are blue. And it's like, go, oh, it's like 50 degrees out here. Man, what are we doing? I was like, man, it's to have a good time. I think they had me host one of the talent shows and the mom was all like, that joke about Jesus didn't like that one. Didn't like that one. What was the joke about Jesus? I forgot what, I think, I, I forgot what is, I, for, I think, I think I, t- we know Jesus is black, or so. I, th- I forgot what we're talking about. What color Jesus was? It's like little kitty jokes I used to do, and like that. What color people were in the Bible? I think I said like, we know Jesus' dad isn't black. No black dude would come home to his virgin virgin fiance being pregnant by. I think I said that like at a kids' camp. I was just I was just doing all my raw stuff. I had no like clean material at the time. I just had material. It wasn't like cursing, but like all the adults were having a good time. Be like, whoa, this kid is kind of like raw. Like getting a chicken college, I'll tell them all my jokes because pretty like just say anything. I was like, any material? She goes, yeah, just be funny. I was like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> and then she's like, maybe you want to dial it back a little. Some people are offended about your jokes about Jesus. I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. I was like that one, like Ebony. Remember Ebony? Ebony. Was yes, it? Yeah, Ebony. I do. She has like four kids. Yeah, Ebony. She has four kids. Yeah, I think she has. She has like three, three to four kids. Because me and Ebony I'm had our class. Probably, That's what, say that again. The rate I'm going, I'll probably have my first kid at 40, but you know. <laughs> Who knows? What, so what, so you're in college, you graduate, and what prompted the move to go to Nashville? What inside your heart was like, you know what, let's go play with the big boys. When do we get, when do we get to that? So I have wanted to live in Nashville probably since I was like 10 years old. But so, how did you know that Nashville, how did you know? You just always knew Nashville is a musical town or what? It is. It is and my my grandparents um, influenced me a lot, both of them actually. My, my mother's mother was a big Patsy Cline fan um, mm-hmm. and really liked Nat King Cole, some of type of that type stuff. And then my dad's mother was really into like Loretta Lynn and like Willie Nelson. And she didn't like Patsy Cline. She said she didn't sound country enough. It was like the more hick it sounds, the more she liked it, you know? Right. Um, but I mean, my dad's grandparents, well, my dad grew up pretty poor and they lived in the mountains and they just played mountain music. So they like lived in, um, they grew up, my grandmother grew up in Virginia, um, and she was very poor. And my grandfather grew up in Boone, North Carolina. Boom. Um, but they grew up playing like the mandolin at a very early age. So they would always watch the Grand Ole Opry. So I would go over to their house and we would watch it together. And it's always kind of been a dream of mine to play the Grand Ole Opry. Um, so that's a little bit of where kind of that stems from. There's a lot of. George Strait's not a member of the Grand Ole Opry either. I know he's not, which is really crazy. I think they said I was. I did a. I think I did a whole thing about George Strait. I was like, how he said that, 
he can't commit to the concerts that they do. Because once you're a member, you have to play like a certain amount of concerts, right? Yeah. I think, I don't know, but I think that was, I think that was that one. And then another one, D. Ford Bailey. Have you ever heard of that dude before? Yes, I actually know his grandson. Oh, so yeah, I think, I, yeah, sometimes I'm on PBS watching all these country documentaries, because I've always, always, like, every year I'll download all the country top ones and, like, listen mm-hmm. to see what's there and what's coming up next. How So how what will be the process to getting the Grand Ole Opry? Grand Ole Opry is pretty much like the comedy store, like the comedy store. What will be the process of doing that? You know, that's a good question. haven't been, so. You've never I, been at all? Never? No, I've been, but I've never played it, so. Um, Do you have to be a member to play there, or? No, so they, a lot of new artists play there, but it's very, it's very, like, prestigious. Like, like once you play the Grand Ole Opry, it's like, okay, I've, I've kind of made it, you yeah. know? Okay, that's the passing over. That's yeah. the crossover mark. Yeah. So you, so you say you're, like, always going to Nashville. So what, how long did you stay in North Carolina after you graduated to move to Nashville? So after I graduated, um, I was in North Carolina for about nine months. Um, I moved to Denver, Colorado and lived out there for two years. And, um, when I, I kind of knew that I wanted to do child life, I thought about majoring in music, but I, I kind of felt like if I did that music would become work and I didn't want it to be that for me. I wanted it to be like a hobby. So when I found out what child life was, that's kind of like a mix of being a nurse and being a teacher. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is totally for me. So, because most child life specialists work at hospitals, children's hospitals, and they're in most metro cities, the um, only job that was available and that I interviewed for and got was in Denver. So I moved out there, loved living there, but it never really felt like home. And I just wanted to be in Nashville. So I quit my job in Denver, moved to Nashville, didn't have a job, and interviewed at Vanderbilt and got that job a few weeks later. So that was totally like a God God. thing. Yeah, straight God right there. (laughs) Um, so it totally worked out and, um, that's amazing. Just moving out there and not having enough jobs, like something's going to happen. You just know you have to be out there. Yeah. And it's, I think a lot of people had kind of this expectation. Well, Holly will get there and she'll hate it or she won't like it. Like, you know, she has this sort of kind of like what you think it's going to be and you get there and it's not as great, but I've I mean, I, I love Nashville. I love the people there. I love the music there. I love how music's kind of the heartbeat of the city. And everybody can play. Everybody can sing, which, Freaking you know, this nurse? thing in New York, you know, there's talent everywhere. So what was, walk us through. So you get to Nashville, you get settled in, you get your first job. When do you know, like, okay, these are the open mics I need to go to? Like, what's, what is the open mic for singers and songwriters? Do you so guys go open every- mics? So, so how I started being able to kind of do music was, um, we have demo singers, which I'm sure y'all have in New York too. So Mm -hmm. that's sort of kind of what got me in. And of course, like I'm still, I'm definitely still playing little open mics and things like that. I'm definitely not a household name or anything, but, um, I met a guy named Gabe and he actually used to write for, uh, Disney Oh. And he was like, if you sing a jingle for me for this Disney show, then I can help produce some of your songs for free. So he helped me with that. Um, well, back up. How did you then, meet Gabe? Where did you guys meet at? Like just randomly or? Where did we meet? 
I feel like it was just super random. I can't even remember. He doesn't live in Nashville anymore, but he um, produced a lot of my songs for free, which is awesome because it's super expensive. And then there was a guy that volunteered at the hospital who owned a record company who some of the nurses have been like, um, have you, Holly sings really well. And it's kind of like that. Oh, okay. I'm sure she does. He was like, okay, well, if you want to come. And then he heard me sing and then started paying me to do like demo singing. So that started when I first moved. And now it's just been kind of playing different gigs. Wait, it's a that's, hard, that's, hold on, that's amazing. That's crazy. That's that's like six degrees of separation. The, literally the job is. you didn't expect. You're literally working there. And then a record producer comes inside. And How do your coworkers know? So your coworkers just know you're a singer. Have they been to your show gigs or how do they yeah. know? So he, they, they hear, they've heard me sing to patients and just know that I sing. And some of them had heard me sing and some of them hadn't. So I'm like, I mean, they don't know if I sound bad or not, but this this guy volunteered and had his own smaller independent label. Um, So he made you perform live on the spot. No, I went to, I went to his studio and sang and one of the songwriters was like, I really like how she sings. I'd like for her to sing some of my songs. So then you end up making like two or $300 in a few hours just singing these songs. So of course it's not something you do. It's typically only two or three times a month, but to just sing in a studio and get paid for it, it's right. pretty fun. So you're making reference tracks. So whoever gets the songs, they're listening to how you sing it and that's yes. how they're supposed to sing it. So, for instance, if someone, you know, was pitching a song to like Miranda Lambert or Carrie Underwood or somebody, they would hear my voice on the demo to see like, this is what it would sound like. So the person who writes the song wants you to sing in a certain way because they have in their mind, like what type of artist they would like covering their song. Would you say that the songwriter controls that or would the songwriter give up a portion of it depending how big the artist is? I think it kind of depends. So most of the time people that write are either with like ASCAP or BMI, which are based, I'm sure you probably know what those are. So I know that that protects a lot of their rights, but I'm not sure how much they would give up. I know one artist that I think for was really close to having Carrie Underwood cut her, um, cut his song, but unfortunately it didn't. And that's kind of, as you know, what's heartbreaking about this business is, you get so close to something and then sometimes it's like two steps back and are you signed to anybody do you have any representation or are you all independent i'm independent do you like it better I have, way? yeah i've tried out for the voice a few times and actually have an audition coming up and i've made it almost to on tv but haven't so um there's been opportunities like that there was a british show that i was almost on and almost made it to Britain and that fell through. So it's like funny, random stuff that has been great experience. Would you like to do that? Would you like being judged on TV or you don't care? It's an opportunity, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people have different views on that, but honestly, I mean, I love to sing. I love music. It's like what, you know, kind of keeps me going. It's, it's what I enjoy doing. So if I'm able to do that, whether it's playing small bars or, you know, being on a show where you're competing, if I'm able to do that, right. then that's good by me. What does honky talk mean? <laughs> so 
Nobody really says it anymore. Honky I, tonk, I unless you're talking about So it's basically just like a country bar um, that has live music. That's it? But pretty much. I mean, I, I guess like an older country song with a honky tonk, you would think of it being like kind of like a sketchy bar with like one neon light and everyone's like drinking the problems away. Um, but a lot of the bars on Broadway aren't like your true honky tonks. There's a few that are really great. One of my favorites is Roberts. They have a guitar player in there. That's like 18 who is amazing. Um, but that's probably one of the local spots on Broadway that a lot of people like to go to. I remember in 2013, that's when Tracy Atkins had that song. Uh, is it Badonka Donk? Honky Tonk? Badonka Donk? Trace, Trace Atkins. Trace Atkins, yeah. Get yeah. them britches on, honky tonk, but donk a donk. But donk a donk. We were, uh, we were just, it was like country trap. It was like all over Orlando, Florida when we did. We would every Thursday night, we would go to this line dancing place, and we would just go line dancing. And it's the guys that you would not expect to be getting girls are the ones that could get all the girls because they could dance their anus off. Right. Straight line so, dancing, scoop boop said everything. So you said Chris Stapleton is one of your favorites. Do you have any other country artists that you like? Uh, I really, I feel, man, I like the the black dude from Hootie and the Blowfish. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Uh, Darius Rucker. Hey, that's Darius Rucker. I seen him at East Carolina when Darius Rucker came. He came to, I forget where he went to, but yeah, uh, Darius Rucker. I like Darius Rucker. Um, I don't like, I don't like the guy... I don't like the guy from The Voice. Blake Shelton? No, I don't like Blake Blake Shelton at all. That's fair. I don't like him. I feel like, I don't know, I don't know why. Uh, Thomas, Thomas Rhett? Thomas Rhett, do you like him? I do. He's different. And I, I find it strange. You can answer this question. Do you notice that every genre of music, Wherever you are in the world, you can't hear accents unless it's talking about rap music. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I have. Isn't that strange? Isn't that strange that a person from from a country that never heard music will sound like Mariah Carey? But if he's rapping, he sounds exactly like where he's from. That is crazy. Like Kane Brown. Do you ever heard of this dude named Kane Brown? I have. Kane Brown. And I remember I was like, no, there's another dude from Australia. He's from, like, Australia. And I was like, how does he sound like he's from Texas? I don't get how does he sound like he's from Texas if he's from Australia. You're talking about Keith Urban? Yeah, how do you sound like you're from Texas when you grew up in the Outbacks? That's a good question. If you think about that, when they talked about, like, music, when we were talking about, like, music, how, like, they had, like, hip-hop had, like, a bad notation. But I was like, at least you know where everyone's from. Southern people sound like Southern people in hip-hop. New York people sound like New York, West Coast. People from London sound like London, but people in London, when they sing, I was like, I feel like I'm back at home when they're singing. But I'm you'll curious how... Listen. You'll have to listen to some of my favorite country artists and let me know what you think. No, you guys, do you use Apple Music? You can share the playlist with me. I use Spotify. I got Spotify. Well, I didn't purchase, I, I use it, but yeah, send it to me. Spotify, yeah. I think I've mixed Apple. Who are the yeah, artists? There's... Go ahead. Uh, Yola is really great. She's Yola. an African American country artist. I don't know if you've heard of her. Let me look on my playlist. Yola, Lauren, Elena. I have all of her stuff. 
Dylan Scott. Nope. I have Daniela Bradbury. <laughs> She's from The Voice. Um, oh, maybe yeah, I... Yola, Yola is really great. Yola. I really like Tyler Childers. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Tyler Childers. Okay. What else? Um, Jason Isbell is a really good one. Mm-hmm. Who are the artists that came up with you? Who are the artists that came to Nashville when you came to Nashville that you met on the scene? You wait, before that, who you ever played the Bluebird? The Bluebird? Yeah. I have never played there. I got really close. It's pretty competitive. That's still a goal of mine. So. It's not an open mic, is it? It's like a real show, right? It. It's not like it, the show Nashville. That's fake, right? No. It's, it's, so I was like, there's that, no way she can go to the Bluebird and just randomly no, no, no. pop up on the street and play that place. That's not real at all. Now, a lot of my friends have played the Bluebird. Um, and there's been talk about maybe me being in one of their shows. But the Bluebird is really cool. I mean, you can be sitting there and like Garth Brooks will come in or Taylor Swift. But it's nothing like the show Nashville. There's a line outside the door. You can't just walk in and start playing. <laughs> Yeah, it's like crashing on HBO. Like, oh, all of a sudden he's a warm-up comic. I was like, that would never freaking happen. Oh, no, no. For Rachel Ray, really? But I was like, at the Bluebird watching that show, I was like, there is no way that you can just go to the Bluebird after you beat up somebody and they just let you on to do a quick six minutes. Oh, yeah, on Nashville? Yeah, Nashville. That show had legs until it got off ABC. That's when the legs fell off. For sure. I was an extra on there. I don't know if you ever saw Ooh, me. Oh, what season? <laughs> Um, it was when it was still on ABC. Kind I liked that show. I liked it. Duncan. It was. Keith, uh, I liked it. I was in a scene or behind. Um, gosh, what's her name? The redheaded girl who's like the main person. Connie Britton. Connie, yeah, Connie Britton. Friday Night Lights. Uh, you can like see half of my face for like three minutes. <laughs> I forgot what her name was inside there, but I know they were kind of like throwing like little shots at Taylor Swift about like all the glitter and stuff. Yeah. Would you say, would you say when Taylor came up, she was more traditional country or do you think she's more into like the country pop? See, I've never considered her traditional country. Well, they said she came up in Nashville. So what, maybe, maybe but her she, earlier records are, are no. She's from Pennsylvania and her she parents is. moved. Yeah, moved down to Nashville. She was like 12 or I'm something. I'm not the biggest Taylor Swift fan. I do respect her. Why not? Why not? Just her music doesn't represent the South or? I just don't think she has a good voice. <laughs> she sings, her. I, I think singing live, she has a hard time singing live. Yeah, I don't know. She's very nasally to me. I don't want to tear her down, but you ask. <laughs> but you're a real, that's what I'm saying, like real vocalists know exactly what we don't know. I think she's gotten better. She's gotten a lot better. But Has I've Rihanna gotten heard... better? I love Rihanna. That's what they said. Like see, She's I... improved her live shows. Back in the day, people said she couldn't sing live, but now they said her live shows are amazing. I went to her live show in, I guess it was 2016 at Bridgestone. She killed it. Was that when the anti-album was out? Yes, it was I so think, good. Yeah, I like that album. Yeah, the anti-album. That was like one of my favorite shows. and I, That was like, I always liked Rihanna, but I like... I was like, yeah, I like her. And then once I went, I was like, oh, I love her, you know? Yeah, her live shows are now. Like now, I guess they said back in the day her voice wasn't that strong. But now, that one, who else? Beyonce. Is her, her voice is kind of like, it was powerful when I heard it live. And it was like on 48 yeah. speakers. Yeah, 
Oh yeah. She that. can kill it. She can kill it. Um, I don't love Carrie Underwood's music, but I think she has a killer voice. Carrie Underwood's the first one. That, wait, she was the second one that run the. She Didn't yeah. She Kelly win... Clarkson was first, and then she was a few years later. I think. No, Fantasia was first. Oh yeah, was she the first winner? I don't know. <laughs> no, I think she was. I think she no, was, think and Kelly, Clay Aiken was number Clarkson. two. I think Kelly Clarkson was first. No, it no. Was like her and Dustin Guarini. You remember him? Yeah, but I thought, what is it, Clay Atkins? Didn't Clay? Clay Atkins. Oh, a Clay Atkins. <laughs> I think he was like season number two or three. I remember so random that Clay Atkins was coming up, but I remember my friend's, an old friend's mom was like obsessed with him. Like, and she was like in her mid 40s and had posters of Clay Aiken all in her bedroom. Yeah, <laughs> so it was it, strange. Yeah, Clay Aiken. I was like, man, I think he got number two. I think everyone's talking about old Clay. Yeah. Let's see. Who was the first one that won? I think I it's think, Kelly. Yeah, I guess it was Kelly. Fantasia won season three. Yeah. And I know sometimes people, I forget, like, I, I don't like it when American Idol losers get up there and introduce awards because I'm like, you lost American Idol. I remember one time Justin Timberlake had this, he had this uh, contest about who could sing about the Grammys and then Jennifer Hudson presented it. And then she at the end, she goes, don't worry, you're still going to be something. I was like, it's about the winner right now. They're about to sing of Justin Timberlake. She just got embarrassed in live TV at the, Gra- <laughs> at the Grammys. What do you what do you think about Jennifer Hudson's voice? Holy f, man, that thing is powerful. Have you? Yeah. Have did you see? Have you ever seen Sandy Wexler of Adam Sandler? No, I haven't. And some Netflix. One, she's in that movie and she's saying, "So are you just here to just turn off the lights?" He goes, "Oh, that voice is so powerful. Knock the lights off." There's a lot of good. When Jimmy Fallon had his late night show before he got like the Tonight Show, where he just had like young artists where. All of a sudden, the Roots would like randomly play, and they're like, "She goes, I used to perform at funerals, and the Roots starts playing, and she just belts out this song." And I'm like, "God, I'm like, freak! I never knew she her voice was that powerful." Oh yeah, she has a killer voice. Um, you know whose voice that I've been liking now? Have you ever seen the the Amazing Grace documentary? I haven't. Aretha Franklin. It's on Hulu. Oh, oh yeah, Aretha is. Holy. She is amazing. My favorite song by her is um, Do Right. I think it's called Do Right Woman. You know that one? Do Right Woman. Mine is uh, it's The Moment I Wake Up. Before I go. Say a little prayer uh, for you. Say a little prayer for you. Yeah, that one's a good one. The Moment I Wake Up. Do, 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 do. So Natural Woman is probably one of my favorite go-to karaoke songs. That's one thing I don't like about people who can sing. When they go to like karaoke, you're like, "Oh, this isn't fair!" Like, what the fuck? And are it's doing and it's it is annoying. because the music will stop friends, and they're still singing. I'm like, this ain't freaking right. But sometimes your friends make you do it, so then you have no choice. But in Nashville, like, it can be super annoying because like everyone can sing, so you're like, okay, we get it. Like sometimes in New York, the people you would never expect are like brought. Like a lot of people in my church are Broadway performers. So I don't mm-hmm. know when they're not in character when they're talking to me. Hi, how are you? It's so nice to meet you. I was like, all right, what is? <laughs> hey. Because <laughs> they all have this specific voice that they use on Broadway. It's, and yeah, I mean, I, 
and like my church, I am part of the praise and worship, but since I work Sundays, it makes it kind of difficult to be there because, you know, hospital life, but it's like getting into praise and worship. It's like trying out for like American Idol down here. I mean, it was hard. I was like, dang, I don't sing harmony like some of these people do. I was like, these are real performers. When my friend was talking about, I was like, these are Broadway performers doing praise and worship. What are you talking they about? Of course it's good. They don't play. They yeah, do real lighting play. tech people that do that on Broadway. Yes. I mean, in our, like, I go to Crosspoint in Nashville. They have their own album they put out. Like, <laughs> you know? No, it's serious. It's it's freaking. Is it like a Hillsong? Do they sing like Hillsong music or like Baptist? Very similar to Hillsong. I had to get used to Hillsong going from like the South to coming up here. But I now love... I'm into it. Now I'm into it. Are, do you go to Hillsong? No, but it's kind of modeled like Hillsong. Because gotcha. they do like connect groups and everything else. My friend did the Hillsong and he kept comparing. I was like, I don't know. I've never been to Hillsong, but I guess I it's love the same. me some. I love me some Carl Lentz. Do you ever listen to him? Carl Lentz, yeah. My pastor is Taylor Wilkinson. He's the little brother of Richard Wilkinson. Very cool. I'll have to listen to him. What uh, what he's church good. is he at in New York? It's called Trinity Harlem. He's on like the branch, okay. like the Trinity churches, and I like him. He's he's mad. Yeah, he reminds me of Eli Manning a little bit. Like everyone in the really? family. Yeah, Eli. Eli's the one that you know, when he hits his groove, he hits his groove. He'll mess around and just f up New York City in a good way. Let's see. I'm a Peyton girl, so you know. Yeah, we got Peyton. We got Peyton, but Eli was the one that had that edge. You know. <laughs> Eli has you'll, have the edge. To, you'll have to send me um, y'all's online service. I can check it out. Yeah, the online service. They got, yeah, there's a lot of them. There's like three. It's like three brothers. That's why I said they remind me of the Mannings. The dad's a pastor. All the brothers are pastors mm-hmm. and stuff. So it reminds me of that. So yeah, of course you got Peyton. But Eli beat Tom Brady twice. That is true. He beat him what twice. What do you think about Brady playing for the Bucks? Tampa's lit up. Tampa's lit up. <laughs> Everyone in Tampa's like, you need to move back now. I'm like, what? It's time. We're going to the Super Bowl, baby. It's time. It's happening in Tampa too. How do you, how do you think Gronk's gonna do? I think Gronk. I think right now it's good. He doesn't have to do. They have a tight end already, so he just has to get healthy. I think they're just saving I, him for like the playoffs. Are you a Brady fan? I just can't, I just I can't I can't. Sometimes it's hard because after being a whole bunch of female friends, they had let me know that Tom Brady left his wife when she was pregnant or left his girlfriend yes, pregnant. Yes, he did. I'm, For like, Giselle, what? I'm right? like, what are y'all talking about? And then when you listen to him, I listened to his Howard Stern interview, and he's all like, it wasn't hard talking to Giselle. At the time, I broke up with my girlfriend, and she was pregnant, and then we had a situation where she's beating this guy, and they have a newborn baby. Maybe because Tom Brady's weird sometimes, you know? But he has Fair. that psych- psychotic edge. You can tell he looks crazy. Very. You can tell, like, something's not... He's He's, like, you need that loose bolts to be there. But I think Tampa's going to be, it's going to be alive, you know? After the statement yeah. Drew Brees made, I'm just like, everyone, the only Tampa just got to win the division. Right. Did you see where he apologized for that statement? Drew Brees didn't know what he's talking about. And I think Drew Brees, so, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Do you, did you read his apology? I tried to, but I was like, I can tell someone just wrote it for him. Yeah, what, so what, do you, do you feel like it wasn't genuine? No, Drew Brees got caught in a lot of Ponzi schemes. He had like a lot of controversy of Ponzi schemes and everything else. My thing is like, okay, we're in the climate now. You can be a Republican. It's not a problem with that. But your locker room is like 
All these black dudes in your locker room, you just can't say something like that. Because the NFL is saying, NFL is such a contradiction. We stand yeah. by and we support everything else. Like, no, you don't. No. No, we don't. They're lucky that Americans love football so much. You know? Yeah. They're very lucky. Football is the only sport where there's no guaranteed contracts. Uh, the hurt, the turnover rate of your career is only three to four years. They don't have health insurance. Like, why don't you guys just stop playing for a while and get your CBA together? But they can't. They're so dependent yeah. on that little money. So as soon as you see them, you see Chris Johnson just sitting there going to Orlando, getting back in trouble. Poor Chris Johnson. I thought he had, I thought he was doing good too. And then they're like, oh, he's a, he had denied it. But it's just like, what happens when you stop playing football? Yeah. What do you do with those skills? Not everybody can get on TV. Yeah. Well, and then like the, it's CTE, right? Is that, am I yeah, saying that CTE, correct? Yeah, CTE, yeah. Like, like, I swear that's, I swear that's what Antonio Brown has from that like really bad hit that he took. Did you, do you remember seeing that hit? Yes, I did. And I think he might just be loopy too. I thought he was just doing, being crazy to get out of his contract. So he can yeah. just play with Tom Brady. And he was actually in a good situation. And then it's just like, why would you respond back? The worst part is when O.J. Simpson gives you advice, you should just probably take it. <laughs> Do you watch his Twitter? Watch Antonio Brown? No, O.J. Simpson's Twitter. No, I didn't even know he had a Twitter. He has the best advice ever. He just gives advice, and it's very good. He's like, hey, Twitter world, it's yours truly. <laughs> and like People forget like he understands football better than anyone else. Okay. So he's talking Off about fo- he's talking about football. He's talking about police brutality. He was like, "Hey, I know, I know." One time he's talking and about Gail. He's like, "I wanted to see my wife's funeral, and Gail had a problem with it. That's none of your business." Everybody's like, "Yeah, OJ, okay." Is Chloe Kardashian OJ Simpson's daughter? Look, yeah, she's OJ's daughter. She's five <laughs> eleven. Kim Kardashian is five one. They're all like little people. What do you think of her? recent picture that she posted did you see it yeah she she took someone's face or something like that i think it's hers that she's just had so much work done i think i I don't think i think that i think she loves lamar you know i think she's in love with lamar and since how bad he dogged her out publicly she can never be with him so she's inside a a prison isn't she back with uh tristan though yeah, yeah, I think they're about to have another baby, but you can tell Lamar, you can tell Lamar was the one that loved her for real. Yeah. You know, he really loved her. He didn't want her to have surgery and do everything else. He was just a heroin addict, you know? Yeah. It's bad to say that, but it's just like you, he loved you for real. He was the one that gave her that, he really made her into a household name. It was him. Yeah, and he never cheated. Well, he didn't, he didn't give her that, but I mean, well, he cheated at the end, but I mean, like, he was the one that really loved her. Yeah. He was still fighting for her when it seemed creepy. <laughs> yes, he, he was, was like, I'm trying to get my wife. I'm like, dude, she's dating somebody. Like, what are you, the freak is wrong with you? But I remember it was just like Chloe and Lamar. Because everyone like, is like Kim, there's Courtney, and like the young ones. And it was like just Chloe. And it was just like, dang, Chloe and Lamar really have something good over there. Yeah. And then everyone on the show died. And I'm like, whoa, what the freak? Everyone on the show died. His best friend died. All these other dudes started dying. And then, like, Rob ran away, and I was like, freak. And the I, whole Rob and Black China drama. Yeah, that was wild. That was a very strange situation. 
I was kind of cheering for Tyga a little bit. You know what I mean? I felt like Tyga and her really, minus the borderline stuff, but like you can see them hanging out when she used to hang with his kid and stuff like that. Yeah. I think that Kanye and Kim, my personal opinion is that Kanye, like he appreciates Kim. He like made her into the name that she wanted. All the other guys are kind of jealous of her. I feel like they had a really good relationship. And it feels weird to say that, but I, I feel like they have a very healthy relationship. And like, he won. He got the girl of his dreams. But it's like all the other guys are, like, jealous of her. Like, Reggie Bush really didn't like her. He didn't like the way that he didn't like the press. And Kanye's like, nah, get out in the camera. Nah, take, nah, do that. Nah, do it. You, you controversial. Be controversial. <laughs> like, I think she needed that support system to be all like, whoa, Kanye is so supportive. <laughs> I remember during the Super Bowl when the Saints won. Like, all these guys are fanning out of Kim Kardashian, and Reggie's, like, sitting there, and like, Reggie, how much does the Super Bowl mean to you? Then Dion's like, how does it mean, Kim? Kim's like, Reggie's so excited about winning a Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm like, am I watching NFL Network and Kim Kardashian is talking about what the Super Bowl means to New Orleans? <laughs> I'm like, what the freak is going on right now? Reggie works so hard for this, I'm so excited for her. But didn't he, or didn't she, like, make him lose a lot? Didn't she? No, she was never, remember they were in college, he was in college when he dated her. Oh, yeah, that's true, that's true. So she was, like, around the UFC, USC days and stuff. But it was, like, all those dudes were, like, jealous of her. They didn't want her to be there, they didn't want her to be, you know, they were jealous of her star, a little bit. Yeah. But Kanye's way bigger than her, so he doesn't give an F. No. And my wife's here, and she controversial, and everybody's like, oh, great, whoa. (laughs) What do you think of his gospel album? Uh, the one where the choir's singing? I like that one. I like That's the first one, right? That's the second one. I like that. The Chick-fil-A song, just no. No. I think, no. I, I, think I, I just don't like Kanye West doing all these albums. I only have seven songs. Yes, I'm just not a fan it's not of that. It's not an album. It's an EP. It's, uh, well, it's doing all these things. Well, most of these songs, they got seven, got nominated for a Grammy Pusher T. Jesus is King album, I like the Follow God. I like On God and Everything We Need. But I would say it would be it was better than his Jesus album. That's my least favorite Kanye album of all time. Yeah, my favorite is College Dropout. Yep. Always. That's when we that's when we were in middle school. No, we we're in high school. Yeah, high school. High school when he came out with College Dropout. High school, then I'll go my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Then I have a special place for for uh, 808 Heartbreak because my friend, when he got a girl pregnant in college, we had to listen to that album over three times driving to Virginia because he was so sad. <laughs> the whole way through. Did they Did they work out? No? No, they didn't work out. But they were having a kid and he was thinking his life was over. And I remember us driving. He was just come to Virginia with me. And as we're driving, on lonely nights I start to fade. <laughs> Her love's a thousand miles away. And I was like, man, what the freak? We're just in the middle of the cold weather. We're listening to that 808 heartbreak. <laughs> Every time I listen to that song, I just think about that situation. The whole ride through. He kept replaying. Repeat that song again. He's like, she was my RoboCop. I was like, yep. Seems like she's going to robo and get these child support payments, buddy. Okay. We're at the part of the podcast where we call these the Hilltop questions, right? So you can answer these questions how many time you want. It could be long, it could be short, however you want to answer these questions. Ready? Okay. Okay, here we go. Number one, do you believe in God? 
Yes. Who's your favorite person in the Bible? Man, these are kind of hard. Esther. Esther, why? Um, just because she kind of had the world against her, and I feel like she's kind of a female superhero, and catch me off guard here. <laughs> I wasn't prepared. <laughs> um, as a as a little girl, she was my favorite person from the Bible. What's your favorite verse? Um, gosh. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Ooh. Jeremiah, I can't even, help me out here. Two something, right? Jeremiah, like Is it 29-11? I think so. When's the last time you had a nightmare? Um, probably like a week ago. What was that about? very strange i had a dream that i was in kindergarten and there was a school shooter that came in and i couldn't get under the desk oh my god very strange what what would you say your biggest fear is um probably being alone alone like physically alone or just being alone 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 (laughs) Like, not finding that special person. Because I've been single for a little while. This comes to our next question. Do you believe in soulmates? I do, but I believe that... Well, I think that you can have more than one love of your life. I don't think there's just one. Break that down. You think you have multiple partners, or you think there's just... Well, I think... You've met the love of your life already. I, I think a lot of people will say, like, when they say soulmate, it's like there's just only this one person for me. But you have to think there's a billion people in the world. So right. there's not just one person that is exactly your person. I think there's multiple people that could be, but then God places that person in your life. Are you actively dating? Uh, not at the moment. When was your last relationship? Uh... Because when you say single for four years, is it truly single or is it just like you're nothing official official? Well, not for four years. I've I've been single. Well, I had an on and off relationship for a little while. With a singer or with a regular dude? Uh, both, actually. <laughs> What's he that? sings, but that's not his occupation or he, he can. Um, but... I've been single for probably the past few months. So you just got out of a breakup? Eh, it was a while ago, but Situation. it's one of those things where you call them when you're lonely. Oh, all right. We already know where we're going. Yes. <laughs> do you think it's harder dating as a, do you think it's intimidating when a man meets you because you got everything together, you know? Yeah, I think so. And I I think sometimes I try to change guys that I date and make them how I want them to be. Give me an example. um, For instance, this guy that I was dating, his dad's a pastor, but he has basically said he's kind of agnostic, atheist, which that was always an issue for us because I'm a Christian. So I felt like I knew that was going to be an issue. Mm Mm-hmm. And we harped on that a lot, and that was a big strain of the relationship. What was the last person that met your parents? 
He met your parents and he was atheist too? Yeah, he did. Well, well how did you how did your parents take that? Like, whoa, hey, whoa. Well, my mom was like, he'll come back to the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to start praying. I was like, what is he doing? I was like, he doesn't pray. His, his daddy's a pastor. He knows the way. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to think about dating has changed. Because when, when you first started dating, there were no apps. And now there are apps. Because the only app and- when we were in college was Grindr. Right? <laughs> that was the first one. That was the first actual app. That was app. the first one? Yeah, everyone took everything from Grindr. Grindr was the first app. Oh, man. Um, yeah, and I remember being like, oh, I'll never be on dating apps. Those are for losers, and I've been on dating apps, so. What's your, which one's your favorite? <laughs> oh, I don't Is it have Hinge? a favorite. Hinge? I mean, I've, I've met guys off there, but I met a guy off there and dated him for a little while. He turned out, like, crazy, so... <laughs> The struggle is real, and now you can't go out anywhere, and someone's wearing a mask. You can't see <laughs> what their teeth look like. <laughs> the struggle is real. Rough. Are there a lot of guys, a lot of single guys in Nashville? Though? Yeah, but they're kind of like are they cowboys? There's some cowboys. I mean, there's I don't know. There's good guys in Nashville. There's just, I just don't think I've met the right one. <laughs> well, we got time. You're only 31. That's mad young. You know what I mean? But I'm a female, so I'm like, oh my God, my biological clock is all in our heads. It's all in our heads. It's really all in our heads. That is true. And I think women in this generation, like our generation, are a whole lot smarter, you know? And a whole lot more but scrubs sometimes they'll like you know they have scrub tendencies but then they'll be great the first four months and then they go back to scrubs. <laughs> scrub tendencies yes they put on what is you said this one time it's their zorro mask zorro yeah zorro you don't know yes, who they are until they take their mask off zorro lovers that's what we call them zorro lovers yes zorro lovers Sometimes I bring. I sometimes I feel like like sometimes when I go to work, like a lot of women don't know how to pick up on a guy's lazy habits, but I can look at a guy and know that he's freaking lazy. I'm like this guy's oh, like, this guy's a bum, and they're like, "What?" I'm like, "No, he's a bum." But like other women can pick up like that girl's not about anything. I'm like, "What? How can you tell?" Like, look at her. I'm like, "I can't." What do you mean, look at her? Yeah. So it's like everyone That's has not, natural instincts. But like my my kryptonite though, because I'll be a guy that I dated. I knew that he didn't have his life together, and I knew that. But then they start to make you laugh, and that's like my kryptonite. Your like, kryptonite is comedian. It's game over. <laughs> I got to introduce you to some comics out there in Nashville, and there's a whole bunch of them. Yes. You should go to Zanies. There's like a comedy I, club out. Yeah, I've been to Zanies. There's a lot of comedians that are moving out to Nashville. Like a lot of them, they just they like the yeah. cost of living, and they just live out it's there. Like so a, it's nice. It's a new. It's a new scene. A better Charlotte, a cheaper Charlotte. My mom, yes, my mom went to Zany's and she liked it, but she was like, "I only like the clean comics." That's how my mom is. My mom will go to a show and be like, "Oh, I had to walk out of the headliner." Whoa, oh my gosh! She's like, she cursed the whole time. I was like, "Yeah, yeah," because my act is fairly clean. Like, I don't really say too much. Like, it's not dirty. I might just say titties or something, 
And my mama laugh at her titties, but she's all like, oh, no, all the mother effing and all that stuff and all that cursing. No, I can't do that. No, I can't. Oh, yeah, this sounds like my mom. Well, why do, why do they have to bring God into it? <laughs> or if they say GD, that's yeah. what my mom I was like, they're saying out. G-O-T, God. And they're like, nope, there's a D in there. <laughs> that's what I tell my mom, too. <laughs> like, what? And I was like, yeah, that's what that. I think that's a, it's a... <laughs> It's a thing where like southern people understand each other, you know? I forgot yeah. what I forgot what my friend said about dating. He goes, "She doesn't know what a piggly wiggly is. She's not right for you." And I'm like, "Dude, that's well, so regional." That's true. That's true though. I'm like, "She is from uh, the upper state of Boston. What would she know about a piggly wigglies?" Speaking of like southernisms, my uh my friend Chrissy actually recently stayed uh with my parents. She just she lives in New York and she was hanging out with her sister in Indiana, but didn't want to go back to New York because of the COVID and just kind of, I get, she was having a really hard time with it because she lives alone. So she spent a few days with my parents and, you know, like people from up north will just drop the F-bomb like all the time. And, uh, my mom would be like, oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird seeing people curse in front of their parents. I'm like, oh my God, what the freak did they just say? Yeah. Well, it's like, if I do, it's one thing. And, you know, they're my parents. But, like, when someone else does, it's like, that's bold. It's a respect <laughs> for the house. Like, you're taking off your shoes. You're extra polite and stuff like that. Like, when I got to New York, most girls were, like, shocked that I was opening the door for them. Like, I got it. Back up. I'm like, all right, freak. Okay. Like, why are you calling yeah. me madam? Stop calling me madam and ma'am. I'm like, well, what the freak do you want us to call you guys then? <laughs> you know, we're all being, we're all, no, we didn't know everyone's pronouns here. But I'm pretty sure it's madam and her, what we're saying that she but yeah, yeah, some people don't like the, the the politeness. Okay, here we go. These are the last two. Uh, what do you think happens when you die? When we die? I think when we die, um, if we believe in Jesus, that we go to heaven. And this is the last one. This is the last one. And this is a series of questions, right? This is how it goes. So I'm going to ask you, who are you? And your goal is to go beyond yourself. So I'm going to oh, keep asking you the same really questions. These are really tough. Do you ask everyone these questions? Yeah, these are these are called the hilltop questions. These are the ones. Because when you're I alone with your family, yeah. I needed to be prepared. <laughs> you asked me. Just keep asking me, who are you? And I'm going to show you how to do it. So go ahead. Who are you? Jared Waters. Then you ask it again. Who are you? Stand-up comic. Then you ask it again. Who are you? Christian. And you go like that. And you go, and the goal is to go beyond yourself. Gotcha. Okay, I was like, where are we going with this? So you just keep saying, who are you, who are you, who are you? I got you, I got you, I got you. Are you ready? Who are you? Holly Tugman. Who are you? Singer-songwriter. Who are you? Children's advocate. Who are you? Christian. Who are you? A friend. Who are you? A... <laughs> my mind's flaking now. That's when we stop. Usually when you stumble is when you stop. And then the second time you do it, you already know. When it's all said and done, when they write your book, what do you want them to say about you? We had a time was, capsule of you and someone gave you the Holly Tugman book. What would you want them to say? That I was a kind person and treated everyone with respect and dignity. Where could the people find you? Website? Where could they find your music? You can find me on Instagram, mm -hmm. um, Holly Tug, Holly Tugman. You can find me on the SoundCloud Oh, what's your SoundCloud? Uh, if you just search Holly Tugman, it'll have a bunch of uh, my songs up there. 
The songs you written um, or the songs that you demo? All of it? Both, yeah. All of it. So the songs that I wrote should have that I'm a songwriter on them, and the ones that I've demoed for should have the songwriters' names up there. So that's how we can find you. And if you would give any advice for any songwriters coming up, what would you say? Just do it because you love it and not for the money or for anyone else. Just do it because you're passionate about it. That way, if you make it, great. If you don't, that's great to you. Ooh, last question. What would your first album be? If you, when you drop your first album, what's the title going to be? Tug on Running. my heart. Running in the wrong direction. <laughs> Ooh, oh, maybe you shouldn't have put that out there. Someone might take that. I know. <laughs> I might have to cut that out. That's actually a right? good title. Running in the wrong direction. I've wow. always wanted that to be my first album as a kid. I don't know why. <laughs> maybe you should drop an EP with that title so no one can take it. Right? Running in the wrong direction. Well, thank you, madam, for your time. I truly appreciate it. Live on the podcast on One Man, One Tree, One Hill. Say what up to the people. This is when I see black excellence, man. It's Dave Chappelle, Michael Che, Lauren Michaels, Chris Rock, Eddie Murphy, all sitting at the table. I say, yo, Eddie, Mr. Murphy, I I just want to say, man, you're the GOAT, man. And you're the coldest nigga that ever walked the face of the earth. And then I said, and I said, uh, uh-uh, uh, and I'm be the next Jamar Neighbors. Yeah. And she was like, I know that's right. <laughs> you gotta break that thing over. She wants it private, but they're not even together right now. So we haven't spoken about anything but the cat for at two least months. two months. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the podcast. My name is Jerry Waters. And I'll catch you next time. Like, subscribe, rate the podcast. Have a wonderful night, wonderful day, whatever you're listening to. I'll see you soon.